You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement, as always, brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Veteran-owned, female-owned, family-owned. portion of the proceeds go to veteran organizations and first responder organizations. Good people doing good things. The entire South Side, heck, all of Northern Illinois and Northwest Indiana, basically. Great Socks in the Basement deals. See everything that they do and how they can help you. FAMWS.com. My name's Chris. My buddy Dave's at the end of my nine-foot homemade oak bar here on the south side of Chicago. We got a lot to talk about. We also have Dave Marin. He goes by Socks Nerd on Twitter. He brings you the nuggets, the trivia. When you look up at the scoreboard during a White Sox game, we can't do that right now, so he's bringing it to this show. But most importantly, the White Sox are 1-4, kicking off a 60-game schedule. And they put that record up against the Twins and the Indians. So those games mattered even more. So before we get into this show, I've got to get things off on a good foot. And I have a special guest on the line to help me. One of the three core members of the 108, My Sox Summer. How are you, sir? Hey, hey. I'm doing good, Chris. What's going on? I'm excited to have you on. I I came up with this idea after the opening weekend of White Sox baseball and the firestorm that was White Sox Twitter. And I thought to myself... There's, there's just, there's a segment that popped into my head. I'm like, I want to start doing this each and every week on Socks in the Basement for just a couple of minutes. And I thought, who better to help me launch any kind of segment that was based off of something I saw on Twitter than the Kings of White Sox Twitter. And that's why I reached out to you. You made a good call, obviously. I mean, we are definitely the Kings of White Sox Twitter. The drunk king, the drunk uncle king. <laughs> well, you might want to be drunk for this. Okay, so here we go. Our brand new segment Let's have an irrational White Sox argument. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say something irrational, and then you have the choice to either argue back at me and tell me why it's irrational or say, you know what? That makes perfect sense. I concede to that irrational thought. All right. So here we go. Here's your question. This is my irrational statement for you. Ricky Renteria won his only game of this past weekend in spite of himself as he is terrible at filling out White Sox lineups. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I mean, you have to, to to make this argument or to argue this thing, you would have to believe that Ricky Renteria actually makes the lineup. I'm not convinced that he does. Um, I was told, you know, before, like, Robin Ventura never made his own lineup. And it all comes down from up above. So I I, I can't, I, I don't want to argue this one because I don't even know if he's making his own lineup. So I'm going to let that one be. I have a backup question, though, just in case you didn't okay. want to argue that one. Okay. Michael Kopech <laughs> is such a mess personally right now. I don't know how he's going to make it back and contribute to the White Sox ever. Now, come on. That's irrational. This is... <laughs> That's some irrational stuff. You should be able to argue with me over that. That that is an irrational statement. I feel like because I I mean, you know, God, I want to argue it, but I also am like, 
I, the the first thing that pops in my head is the uh, the Ben Zobris thing last year, and Ben Zobris wasn't it last year that Ben Zobris got yeah like, yeah definitely on by his wife yes and we don't even know if that's what happened with Michael Kopech it's just weird his wife said right. I'm pregnant and then he filed for divorce that's just weird right it's just, it's so fucking hard because like I said Zobris is a man of God and he couldn't get things to work right I don't know if Kopech is a man of God. But he, um, I know he's found himself uh, doing drugs and probably peyote and stuff out in the hills. And I, I don't know, man. I, I'm not. I, hmm. I feel like I've come up with two irrational things you haven't been able to argue with me on. I've, I've got one more. I've got one more for you. If the White Sox would not have played service time games with Nick Mandrigal, they would have taken two out of three from the Twins over the weekend. 100% bullshit. No way. No. You I, don't I believe so. That one. You, you, okay, no, there you no. go. There, we found an irrational nope. argument. So you don't think they would nope. have won game one if not for the, the hack job that was Larry Garcia at second base? Well, here's the deal. Okay, so if you if you, if you say that with Larry, right, and I didn't get to see the first game, but I've, I've heard a lot about it and everybody wanted to kill him. He came back the next day and hit two home runs. Now, I know, right, that, like, they could have won without those two home runs, but, like, he still adds something. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Nick Madrigal could have come up he could have shit his pants. He could have pissed himself and not done anything. Like, and it could have been the exact same thing. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> That's good. That's a good irrational White Sox argument. <laughs> My Sox Summer 108. Follow them at from the 108 on Twitter. Yep. They are the drunk uncles and kings of White Sox Twitter. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I want to clear one thing up before we start. Okay. One thing. And okay. then you just go nuts because I, I know you're ready to go. I'm not going to go nuts. I got to do a couple of things right. I got to put out there. One thing I want to say real yes. quick before we start the show. I do not want to spend 30 minutes this week talking about whether or not Major League Baseball should be playing baseball. Okay? No. The naysayers no, came no, out no, the no, moment no, the Marlins no, had an outbreak. Guess what? They got taxi squads. They got an extra 30 guys sitting in another site. This is what the plan is. If you thought they were going to be able to keep everybody from getting coronavirus, you're nuts. If you thought the players thought they could keep everybody from getting coronavirus, they are naive. This was what this was bound to happen. I can't believe how people are like, just shut it down. Shut it all down. This is crazy. Look, this, this is something that the world is dealing with. These players are adults. They had every opportunity to opt out. All I see right now are some guys that have some positive tests. They shut things down for a couple days. The only questionable thing is that they played that Marlins game on Sunday, and they probably should have said, wait a minute, let's hold up here, and let's see whether or not we've got more guys that are sick. But in the end, I don't think baseball is going to end. I think we're getting through the 60-game season, and I'm not going to talk about it for 30 minutes because I think it's insane. It's, okay? and you're gonna the world get way lost off, its mind on Monday. And, right. And, and you're gonna it's get, insane. And you're going to get way off topic talking about this. All right. So, so now first that I got all, that out of the way, go. I'm going to put this out there. You know, I'm 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 trying something new this season, okay? Like, so everybody knows Angry Dave, whatever. So so I'm I'm trying some new things here. So I'm not going to completely lose my mind today about what I watched. I'm going to calmly air my grievances. <laughs> okay? And then we're going to talk about them. The the, the angry Davis. Now I'm look. Calmly air my grievances. Now look. Now look. I may or may not have listened to calm and peaceful new age music on the way over here. I may or may not have 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 downed a couple of tranquilizers before I came over here, but that's okay. You know, we're going to we're going to I'm going to calmly air my grievances. Okay. My first thing is 
and and this is pretty much I'm not going to spend a half hour talking about the stupidity of how they're uh, playing with Nick Madrigal's service time when you have a 60 game season and basically everybody makes the playoffs and anybody's got a chance to win this thing this year. I'm not not going to go there because that is just what it is. You're not going to change it. They're screwing around with service time with Nick Madrigal. What I am going to talk about though is first and foremost, Nikki Delmonico. Uh, Nikki, our heart is our hearts are with you. Bless you for everything that you've been through and you've recovered from. Nikki is not a major league baseball player. Thank okay? you. I don't want there is no reason why you should have Nikki Delmonico, much less batting second, but I mean at all out there playing he should be not he should, he is not he should not be playing your everyday right field now everybody knows what should happen here is what should happen here is you should have madrigal at second garcia and engel platooning and right that's not happening we've already talked about that so let me ask the question why not just have mendek at second base who is going to be a better option defensively, who is not going to cost you games with his glove, and then you platoon Engel and Garcia out in right field anyway. Why, why, the, why the insistence on Delmonico? Well, Please. I think that, first of all, you and I have that same opinion of Danny Mendick. There are people that will yell and scream, oh, you saw him drop balls in the inter-squad games, and there's no guarantee he's going to be better defensively at second base than Leary Garcia. But the thing to me is, Garcia is more effective as an outfielder. Yes. But what I don't get is the Delmonico everyday thing. And I don't even know how he makes your 26-man roster if you didn't have expanded 30-man rosters to begin the season. Are you telling me that Nicky Delmonico was really the 26th man? And, or, or he's even better than the 26th man because he's starting over angle. I know. Right? I know. Now, now the argument could be made that because Mazzara is injured, or sick, I, I think that the belief is that he has COVID. Injured, sick, whatever. Whatever he is. That when Mazzara returns, it's Mazzara all the time in right field, and Angle there is a defensive replacement. And and what's funny is that that would mean that Delmonico might be out. He might not even be on the team in a couple of weeks when they reduce back down to 26 guys. So that's, I think, the thing that kind of is mind-boggling about it. Look, I don't like that either. Angle has proven to you that... He can. He should at least be out there half of the time, right? I I, I think in a platoon situation, I'd be okay with Adam Angle. I yes. would be. I would want Mazar against righties and and Angle against lefties. That's what I would want. And I've come around on Angle. Like you talked to me this time last year, I'm sitting here going, "Why am I looking at Adam Angle every day?" Well, you know, Adam Angle has come along. Adam Angle has proven that he. Well, he always knew he could catch the ball. Okay, he's starting to come around with his hitting. So less pressure doesn't need to be an everyday guy. I, I like Nikki Delmonico. Nikki Delmonico one time at a at a Sox fest when my son who was a few years younger at the time stood there with a Nikki Delmonico baseball card in a line where you're not supposed to get autographs. Whispered to my son, "Just hang out to the side. I'll get you." My son stood there for 35 minutes. Delmonico is done, and still remembers 35 minutes later and after all that interaction. Not only about Dominic, but then tells the security guards, no, I'm signing this kid's autograph. Like, argues with him to make sure he takes care of it. Nicky Delmonico's a great guy in my book, but... Can we please differentiate from personally attacking the man and saying, 
look, dude, you're not an everyday starter. No, he's not. I mean, here's a guy. Here's a guy who has not hit above 215 since 2017. You could say, well, he was injured last year. Okay, fine. What, what about his? What about his 18? Right. What about, he, what about when he had 88 games and 318 plate appearances and hit 215 for you with an OPS of 669? He's a replacement level player. His career war is literally replacement level. It's negative a, it 0.1. It's a zero, yeah. Nicky Delmonico makes sense on a team that is rebuilding. The rebuild is over. And I don't even know if he makes your 26-man roster in a non-COVID season. In spring, did you think Nicky Delmonico no. was going to even make this no, roster? So no, my only thing no, is, look, we, no. we took a guy that wasn't even going to make the roster and he's starting every game and he batted in the two spot or was he batted in the two spot on Sunday. So and stupid. I, I, because of this righty-lefty matchup thingy that they're trying to pull off. And I'm like, you know, look, I'm all for mixing things up that confuse the pitcher a little bit, but I would rather have a right-handed hitter, Aloy Jimenez, batting second, which was in the original that was what it was going to be. changed it, yeah. then a left-handed hitting Nicky Delmonico, and I don't care what the stats of Kenta Maeda are against righties. I, I still want to see Aloy Jimenez get more at-bats. So to me, it bothers me that sometimes we're... Look, I, I'm still seeing these little things from Renteria, and, and I don't even know if Renteria is making the lineup completely and it's not Han. I have no idea how right. this works right now up there, but I'm still seeing these little lineup discrepancies in which we're not taking advantage of everything we have. It feels like it feels like we're driving a sports car and we won't put it into the next gear. Socks in the basement listeners have a new Southside hangout to watch every game this season. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge. They have the food, libations, video gaming, and the game you want to watch during this exciting 60-game season. A sports bar with flat screen TVs everywhere you look, pizza, and a variety of drink options. The interior is set up for safe, clean fun, plus the private video gaming room is away from the cheers of those watching our boys and offers partitions and space so you can feel comfortable and confident playing the slots. Socks in the Basement, live at Jack's Place, Sox versus Cubs, Saturday, August 22nd. Make your plans now to be there, 7000 West Southwest Highway in Chicago Ridge. Jack's Place in Chicago Ridge, it's your place this season. In my view, I am not, I don't start Ray Lopez in Game 3. This is a guy that you called out publicly in the press who you chastised repeatedly out on the pitching mound in front of God and everybody because he can't get his head out of his own posterior. This is a guy who seriously regressed last year. I don't agree with starting him in game three in a rubber match against your main division rival. This is a guy who gave up more earned runs than any other qualifying starting pitcher right. in the major leagues last year. I don't think... I. I don't agree with starting him third. I don't agree with that at all because you should have, you should expect that by game three, you're going to be splitting with the twins. You're going to lose one of those games. You're going to win one of those games. That third game is the one that you can, that you should be like, okay, 
I'm I've got to pull this game out so we can win the series. Didn't, we didn't play it like that. We can line it. We can argue about the lineup all we like. But when you come out and you're down four, five, six, seven runs before the seat that the cardboard cutout is sitting on is warm. All right, before your lineup even hits the field, you're not going to win that game. Okay, so I've got a problem with that. He's on the injured list now. Okay, so giving Ray Lopez the benefit of the doubt, he may have, you know, come out there and hurt himself. Well, but here's my thing with Ray Lopez. I- I'm going to go back to what you said. His manager was disgusted with him at the end of the year last year. That's something that we talked about, broke down, explained everybody why you could see that that he was disgusted with him. Ricky Renteria was disgusted. Oh, he called him out in the press. With Reynaldo Lopez last year. He called him out in the press. You don't need to read between any lines. He said it flat out. I don't know what he showed that made you think, not only is he in your starting five this year for sure, but he's your third best guy. And I I get the whole like, well, you know, we want to split up the righties and the lefties. Well, in in the original five-man rotation, you had three righties and two lefties, and the lefties were split up. And in the current rotation now with him out, you have righty-lefty-lefty-righty-lefty. I To me, the, the, there's always this argument. Well, with the lineup, we got to have a righty here and a lefty here. I hate that argument. And with the rotation, we got to have this guy here and this guy here. I, not every team does that, and there are successful teams that don't worry about it. Reynaldo Lopez is not a number three starter to get to the postseason or win the division that even though two teams are getting in there from the division, the Minnesota Twins are your absolute total rival this year. Yes. And you should have been pitching the first three games with your best three guys coming out and getting off on the right foot. That's kind of how I felt about it. But here's Ray Lopez. Let's just let for the Ray Lopez lovers, for those that will sit there and say, like, well, hey, you know, I mean, he probably would have been fine. He probably got hurt on the first pitch. You guys are being mean. Last year, Reynaldo Lopez had a 5.38 earned run average. He had a whip of 1.45 and a fielding independent pitching of 5.04. He went 10 and 15 and 33 starts. He led the majors with 110 earned runs. His FIP says it wasn't luck. It wasn't bad luck or anything. No, on the defense. That's exactly what he was. Right, right, His right. fielding independent pitching says, nope, that's exactly what he was. In his year 25 year in 2019. In his year 24 year, he went 7 and 10 with a 3.91 ERA. See, those that love him will sit there and say, look at that. And his whip was like a 1.27. So maybe he'll rebound. His fielding independent pitching, though, was just under 5 at 4.63. So what does that tell you? He was fortunate in that year. It is more likely, statistically and with the eye test, that Reynaldo Lopez is not a starting pitcher on a contending team I don't know look here's a guy that again just like Delmonico was not assured of making the 26-man roster and was a long shot back in the spring right now the Lopez is a guy that we sat there and said he might not even break camp as one of the five starters if everybody's healthy well so Rodon's healthy but instead Gio Gonzalez started in the bullpen I want Gio Gonzalez to stay in that rotation yes that's where he should remain that's what you that's what you got him for is everybody's like oh he's a swing man he's there for versatility no I wanted him actually starting yeah. I wanted Gio Gonzalez starting, fielding independent pitching, just in case you don't know what that is. That is the stat that measures a pitcher's effectiveness at preventing home runs, walks, hit by pitches, and causing strikeouts. It's basically saying your FIP is more representative than your ERA because that has nothing to do with the players that are on the field, right? It's a way of telling whether or not somebody's lucky. Ray Lopez has never had a fielding independent pitching number with the exception of a very short stint. In 2016, when he was with the Washington Nationals, 
before we acquired him. He has never had a FIP lower than Gio Gonzalez has had in the last decade or right. so. Right, I was going to ask. So anybody sitting me. there going, whoa, but Raylo is, is better than Gio. No. You're wrong. No, you're, you're just not. flat out 100% you're wrong. wrong. You're wrong about that. Don't don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Please don't start telling people you're an expert at baseball. You're wrong. Joining me on the phone line right now, you can find him on Twitter, at SoxNerd. He also gives you all of the trivia when you're at the ballpark, right up on the scoreboard. He can't do that this year for the fans, but he is still an avid White Sox fan. He has a brand new podcast, I believe, as well. Dave Marin's on the phone line with me. How are you, Dave? Excellent. How are you? I'm hanging in, man. I, I miss the smell of the ballpark. Uh, I, I'm frustrated with the first few games here with the White Sox, uh, I just, I know it's coming. I know the offense is going to start to click, but the pitching has to get it together just a little bit more. We need a little bit more coming out of the, out of the rotation. And, and, and hopefully the next time through the rotation, we're going to see much better results overall. How are you doing through all of this? Do you even get to go to the ballpark? No, uh, I'm not, I'm not at the park, but I am watching at home. I am following along and I am researching and compiling and tweeting and hoping that someday I will be able to use all of this information that I'm gathering on the scoreboard. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that stinks. I wish there was a way that they could throw up some of the nuggets that would have been on the scoreboard during the games, because you always just, I mean, you're the guy that comes up with those crazy things you see as you're watching the game. And you don't really have that opportunity to do that unless, of course, uh, you follow Dave at Sox Nerd on Twitter or, of course, you're listening to him right now here on Sox in the Basement. So you haven't been able to go into the ballpark. We've got this season. It just kicked off. What What do you think so far about the team? And then let's jump into some of the oddities uh, stats-wise. What's your first impression so far with this team? Well, I'm I'm going to be optimistic and hope that we get the uh, uh, the baseball card numbers come true for Grandal and Edwin Encarnacion, I really like what, I mean, Tim Anderson in that first game was fantastic. And Dallas Keuchel, wow. I mean, he was just as good as, he was as good as advertised in the exhibition. And then in his first game, you know, I, I keep likening him to uh, Mark Burley, kind of reminds me of Mark Burley. And uh, Ross Detweiler, let's, I mean, come on, look at him. He's been perfect. All right, so looking at this team, we got a lot of rookies that are up. We've got a lot of new players on the team. What little nuggets, what little things have you seen so far, whether it has to do with the fact that it's a shortened season and so maybe something odd has happened because of the shortened season? Well, uh, well, first of all, Luis Robert hits the ball as hard as I've seen any White Sox player, maybe this side of Frank Thomas. One thing that Robert has in common with Frank Thomas is that they both hit their first career homer against the Twins, and it was both in just like a dog blowout game. Frank did his in uh, Minnesota off Gary Wayne's in 1990, and Robert did his on Saturday. One of the things that I really like to do and that I really miss doing on the scoreboard is that every time a new player hits a home run for the White Sox, I will denote what number player he is to hit a homer for the White Sox. So Robert was the 651st player to homer for the White Sox. And then I always give good old Frank Shugart a shout-out because he was the first player to homer for the White Sox on April 29, 1901. And I always think Frank is one of those players that I've made more famous in retirement and, I guess, death than he was when he was a player. The other thing I found interesting was Gio Gonzalez 
threw one pitch and got a, a strikeout in his White Sox debut. That was something that was really interesting. And he did it against Marwin Gonzalez, who, remember, he flipped around and he batted, he was batting uh, lefty, and then he flipped around and batted righty and struck out in the same at bat. So is there any is there any comparison to that? What, what, when was the last time that happened? I actually have a comparison to that. On July 22nd, 1928, Red Faber of the White Sox, he did that. He uh, took two swings as a right-handed batter and missed, and then he turned around left-handed and delivered the game-winning head. So when I saw that happen, my little, spite, my little Sox nerd sense started tingling, and I found that out. And then the other one that I like that I've kind of dug out is that Giolito losing really threw a wrench into one of my favorite stats because I found out that the White Sox have not had a right-handed starter win a season-opening game at Comiskey Park since 1944. That was Orville Grove. Oh, my God. That is that is so ugly. That is such an ugly stat. It bothers me so much that that's a stat. Yeah, well, a lot, you know, a lot of that's timing because they wouldn't start the season at home, and then they, had a, they have a, had an unbelievable run of lefties starting opening day with Sale and Burley. So I thought that was uh, that was a good one. Yeah, you're right. That is a rarity that they actually started their first actual game of the season at home in Chicago. You never see that because of the weather we get here. Yeah, very rare. And then uh, another one I found recently that I really liked was that uh, Adam Engel on Sunday was the first uh, White Sox outfielder ever to log three hits off the bench in a loss. That's awesome. Now, do you have a... By any chance, a positive Nicky Delmonico stat, because uh, we have not been kind about the fact that he is in the starting lineup right now, and we're not we're not too pleased with Nicky, even though we love him as a person. With what we're seeing so far, give me something positive for Nicky. Do you have anything? Wow, you really put me on the spot there, <laughs> Nicky Delmonico. He hit that walk off home run against the Boston Red Sox. That was his last homer. Was that walk off against the Boston Red Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field? You know what? I'm really hoping that Nikki gives me more material to work with. How's that sound? I think everybody wants Nikki to give them more material to work with. Dave, I appreciate you jumping on and throwing some stats our way. Uh, you have a podcast now, right? I, 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 I guess you were like you were inspired by all the shows that have you come on them to to start your own. Tell me about this. I certainly was, and thanks for bringing that up. Hashtag Socks Nerdcast on Twitter. Every about every night, I just I just go on and I talk for two minutes about whatever's on my mind. Yesterday it was double headers. You know, it's been about Bill Melton or whatever. It's just two minutes. It's me and my cell phone. It's nowhere nearly as as advanced or as as uh, as yours. But it's just something that I've done to kind of fill the void of of what I've been missing, and I enjoy it. So it's two minutes. It's every night. Hashtag Socks Nerdcast. Thank, thanks for bringing that up i appreciate it oh no problem dave so you got socks nerdcast you can follow dave at socks nerd on twitter my friend you're welcome anytime thanks for joining us thank you chris take care eloy eloy mr mr jimenez if you are listening we love you very much okay i am so happy that you are on my team eloy jimenez can you please 
learn what a warning track is so you stop knocking yourself <laughs> si literally knocking yourself senseless he's going to die out there knocking he's yourself gonna be like senseless that guy in the natural that goes walls. through the wall and dies no you know what i you know what i thought of the minute that happened like do you remember the scene in tremors where they led the underground worm thing like straight into a big brick wall that's, that's what the and then, is. And then the kevin giant underground worm from tremors that's what you came up with and then kevin bacon just goes Stupid some bitch knocked himself cold. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. That exact line from Tremors when I don't think Kevin Bacon said it, it was the other guy who right. said it, but that exact line popped into my mind when that happened to Eloy. And I'm just like, Eloy, you please, want to talk about something else that was funny in that game? Stop. There's a warning track there. It's it's supposed to. That's why we call it a warning track, so you don't go bounding. Head first into a wall and concussing yourself. Remember when they added extra padding for Aaron Rowan in 2005 because he kept oh, running yeah, into the wall? Right. Wouldn't it be amazing if all of a sudden our warning track was like three sizes too big? Like we had an abnormally long warning track to give him just extra warning? Like, like he's so valuable. I want to see it. I want to see a warning Can track that's a warning track that's three times as wide just in left field. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.